There is nothing in my life that has ever set me quite as free as when I cut my hair off. I would, I could, but it's also just the big thing about it because it's curly and just, and just huge. So I just have to tie it back. I guess, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Nine Circles Audio Thing. I'm your host, Chris Voss, and it is album of the month time. We've got another packed house, so let me introduce everybody straight away before we dive right in. Looking to my left on the Google Hangout, I've got the always reliable scholar of the first sin, Hera Cat. Hera, how you doing today? I am trying not to die from heat, y'all. Yeah, y'all, this might be just a little bit more of a chill episode because all of us are dying in the incredibly brutal heat wave that's going on. So uh, we'll do our best to keep our enthusiasm going. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Tara. Next to her, probably not quite as hot since he's uh, a little further north of us all, but up in Canada, Mr. John Petcow. How are you, John? Uh, I'm experiencing a tenuous audio situation, I'm told. So if I cut out and miss the rest of the podcast, uh, Baroness is good. That's just getting that out there in case I cut out later. Next to him, dead center, and the uh, the guy who's got the pick of the month this month, uh, Buke, my friend. How are you today, sir? My friend, I am wonderful. Glad to see everybody's smiling faces here uh, coming through uh, my screen. Everybody's doing great. I hope everyone's having a great weekend. Hope everybody's summer is going well. Excited to talk about this album that is almost a complete opposite. From last month. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, before we dive right into it, we got one more person, the ever reliable, the man who holds the Eucharist for us down almost every week. Vincent, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing good. I've returned from the wilds of the of Wyoming. I lost about a pint of blood in the forest to all the goddamn mosquitoes that were everywhere, but fire in the mountains was a raging success. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Well, we'll expect to hear that at some point then in the future. But in the present, we are here to talk about the June album of the month. And like I said, Buke has got it. So, Buke, why don't you take it away and tell us about Baroness's new album, Gold and Gray. Thank you, my friend. This is Baroness's uh, first album since 2015's Purple. It is also the first album to feature their guitarist uh, Gina Gleason on the album. Uh, and when I mentioned in the intro, a complete uh, flip, the opposite from last month's album, is this uh, 17-track album comes in completely different than your pick of the month last month, Dark Thrones, Old Star, and their six-track banger coming in at just over 38, just at 38 minutes. This 17-track one comes in at 60 minutes and 29 seconds. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's, uh, it's, this is not a double album here, uh, friends. This is one album. Um, I will say this. I have known of Baroness since their Red Album uh, first came out. Uh, forget 
which tour at the time I caught them on. But I've known them since then. And Baroness caught my attention when I first saw them because I'm like, wow, the audio quality is good. Uh, has that early Mastodon sound that I like, that sludgy sound that a lot of those bands from uh, down south, Baroness being from Atlanta, if I'm correct. Sorry, from Georgia. I think they're from Savannah, if I'm correct. Well, um, I want to say you're right about that. Thank you, my friend. So I like their attention. They had great energy that, again, early Mastodon sound, the sludge was there. And they've, as they've gone through their discography, they did the red album, then the blue, then yellow and green, and then purple. Gold and gray is capping off that uh, color wave uh, from what I've read. Um, This album is receiving a lot of critical acclaim, but... To me, as a fan of them, I'm not one of those people who minds a, lo- a long album because, like, we will talk here in a couple of months. I love Opeth. I don't mind long songs. I don't mind long albums. Uh, but the problem with this one, then the stick, the sticking point, is the audio quality with this is where my excitement for Baroness started to wane with the release of Purple last uh back in 2015 the audio quality is so muddy and i use the example i was trying to think of something today in my stupid little pea brain as i'm driving in the car with my daughter what could i what could i say there what they do with the vocals just to uh, put my finger on something and it was almost like i know this is not metal but scott whalen used to use this effect on his microphone sometime that was almost like he's talking through a megaphone, but it was a real crummy megaphone that you had yelled at the kids to stay in the crosswalk just too many times. (laughs) Well, the, the audio quality here on the microphone and the vocals that they use is like John, for example, it is so poor that there are parts that with the clean singing of Baroness, I can't make out what he's even saying over the drums and over the guitar because it's just all one big muddy mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't really say anything different. Yeah. I, and it's a shame too, because like underneath that extremely blown out fuzzy production you have some really some of baroness's best songwriting that i've heard hands down hands are some there's some catchy ass songs and it's a damn shame that you just can't listen to them like whatever fuzz they're using for the guitars whatever they did to like master it and get the levels right, like, there are times where they just completely drown out John Baisley's voice. And, like, that's one of the big draws of Baroness for me. Like, they, like, it's, I, I don't know, it's it's just, it's an odd, it's an odd style of production to choose, and I don't really, I don't really know what they thought would benefit them here. If it weren't for that, I might have really enjoyed this album. Although I will, I will disagree 
as the guy who thinks every album should be shorter, I want to say I don't think that this album should have been an hour long. I think that was another one of the points where it faltered for me. There was a lot of fat that seemed to be needing to be trimmed from it, in hmm. my opinion. But yeah, so so interesting to note. I mean, we, we have to just put the whole production thing up front. I, obviously, this is a conscious decision for the band. So this is the the second time they've used. Um, I think it's David Friedman as as their producer. He was the same producer on Purple, which I think had a lot of the same criticisms about the, the real kind of harsh production, the uh, clipping to the vocals and to the guitars, just just kind of not sounding, I, I guess, to the listeners' ears, what they wanted, particularly when you look back to John Congleton, who produced the first three albums, Red, Blue, and um, what was it? Uh, Yellow and Green. So I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I, I think this is a much more successful record than Purple. Uh, I like it a whole lot more. Uh, it probably, for me, could have been a little shorter, uh, almost by half, because I really, I, I'm not a huge fan of the first half of the album, but once you get to, and I have my list up here, the whole, the, the last six or seven tracks, basically from Cold-Blooded Angels on, where it starts to get a lot more prog heavy and, and a lot more seventies focused. I really like it. And uh, if, and if I'm correct, three of the tracks past the point are instrumentals also, which is, which is cool. Yeah. Crooked mile. Um, Ken Obscura. Yeah. Uh, I think assault on East. Oh, yeah, Hall it is. Might yep. be, right. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then in between there, I think borderlines might be my favorite song on the, album. I was, I would agree with you there. Yeah. Broken yeah. halo is really good, but that whole kind of like, I think of it as a suite really works and it kind of works in service with the harsh production a little bit the front half which sounds to me very much like kind of a purple retread uh i think the songs are a little stronger but when you start to hit like the biggest complaint i had was was uh seasons which i think is a great song it's got that aggression it has a little bit of the double kick kind of blast to it but the production just makes it sound terrible. So when that part comes on, you just hear this kind of harsh thumping and it doesn't, to me, especially with each album, Vincent, you talked about Basley's voice. I, I think his voice and his confidence in doing harmonies and pulling off melodies has only gotten better with each album. So it's a mystery to me why they harsh it up as much as they do and, and not let that kind of real beauty kind of shine through. And that is something that also... I think I, uh, what what gets me about this is because his voice, I think, is one of the strong suits of this band. It should shine. It shouldn't be muddied with poor recording quality. I, I, I think I know they're kind of playing to what well, I can think, maybe playing to the genre, that sludgy type of that sludge genre, maybe, you know, uh, we got to kind of muddy it up a little bit. I, I don't know what the thought process is there, but all the reception that seems to be around this album is people love it, but this is that big negative that I seem to see everywhere, again, with the audio quality. For me, this is my first Baroness album. I have nothing to say on Baroness before this. I kind of just went straight for it because I'm like, well, what what do I got to lose? There's like, back catalog and I don't have time to listen to it so I'll listen to this one instead and um I find myself where I'm like if it wasn't like if it wasn't for the production I would enjoy this more 
and I'm very familiar with sludge in the sense of that I enjoy some of it. But the more I listen to this album, the more I'm like, yeah, I could spend more time listening to Space Slug instead. It feels like they took their sound, plugged it into A deck, and then didn't and then didn't finish up putting it in B deck. That's what it sounds like. Like they just they didn't continue with the production, and I'm like, why? This could be so much better if they cleaned it up. <laughs> First of all, just real quick, uh, if no one has heard Space Slug, please take Hera's recommendation because Space Slug are awesome. <laughs> I, the title is great. Yeah, I'm adding it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, 100%. Um, it, it, it's interesting. So you've never heard any of the earlier albums, so nothing for you no. to really compare it to, but the production right away was a factor for you as well? Yeah, so I listened to it through Spotify because that's how... I listen to most of my music anyway, and I found myself going back to it. It's like, it's one of those lessons that you're like, okay, the more I listen to it, the more I get it. But the more you listen to it, the more you start to notice the flaws or at least the production quality of it. And for me, I like a good production. I don't like something that sounds like garbage or at least something that you could make in the toilet. But um, as I, my, that's my main problem with black metal these days. But with this, I felt like if it could just be cleaned up a little bit more, maybe this would work better. Yeah, and, and again, it seems to be a very deliberate choice on the part of the band. I mean, it sounds very much like the last album, and they're they're obviously happy with it. And to Buke's point, I mean, especially a lot of the mainstream press really loves this album. Yeah. And I yeah. don't see any talk about the production in those reviews, but when you get to the more kind of our niche, you know, uh, of uh, review places, uh, there's a lot more talk about, yeah, there's a lot more talk about that production just being really clipped and really hot and just, I I hesitate to say terrible because again, I, I, they seem to be well aware of what it sounds like. It's an aesthetic, but it's not one that I completely understand for the music. And, you know, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that Purple generated an Emmy nomination for them. So I think or that a this, Grammy or something yeah, like a that. Grammy, yeah. Grammy, a Grammy, whatever it is. I think this album, if this could have been, um, again, it has all that critical acclaim and I know we don't care who wins an Emmy or Grammy, whatever it is for music. Um, but this could have been a real home run for them to really get out there to those people who, uh, winning an award like that, that means something to them. That I think if that if there were really no hiccups on this album, it could have been a home-generated home run for them. Now, I do have to say for um, full disclosure, though, June, for me, picking an album was, in terms of my book, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, heavy hitters. So, um, Baroness being the big uh, dog in the room, I kind of felt uh, like we had to discuss this album. Yeah, it definitely warrants the definitely warrants the conversation. Uh, John, we, we haven't heard from you, so what about you? Um, so, I, I had, yeah, I have to acknowledge that I don't like the production on this album in a similar way that I didn't like Purple. Um, but uh, and I have to mention that because when I wrote my Astronoid review uh, earlier this year, one of my two big complaints was the mix. So I want to start with that, but something, my approach to coming at this album was mostly because I was interested to see how Gina Gleason would fit into the band. The, um, cause she'd been in the band for at least some amount of time before the album came out proper. 
So, and the first thing I saw her on was when she did lead guitar with Mutoid Man on the cover of uh, Hot for Teacher on Two Minutes to Late Night. And she fucking ripped ass on guitar. It was so good. I was like, oh, sweet. That actually made me excited for a new Baroness album after I more or less dropped off with Purple. Um, and it's hard to know in a collaborative process who's responsible for what, but her, uh, I really like her, like when, when her and uh, John do, uh, do vocals together, she's, it's just, so that's some of my favorite parts is when yeah. the two of them are doing stuff together. Okay. And then, and the thing that I think is, and again, this might be overreaching, so I don't know if it's actually true or not, but uh, before Baroness, she actually played with Cirque du Soleil, which is a completely out of left field choice for what you would think of as in terms of a metal band. And it occurs to me that this album feels like it has a wider, more like dramatic flair to it. Like it, it goes like Seasons has, I think it's Seasons has like an actual honest to goodness blast beat in it. And then other parts have like psychedelic, just like jams. And it just sort of feels like they're trying to stretch in more directions to try and go on more of a, a journey through different phases. And that to me is where I think the album is at its strongest and why I can handle an hour runtime because it never loses me. I, again, aside from the fact that you are always having to listen to the production, I once I accept that big asterisk, I, I'm basically in it, and I'm in it for the whole time. With with long albums like this, does does it make a difference to you guys if this was two albums? Of course, we're not getting into like Swallow the Sun here a couple years back with their three album release. But does it make a difference listening wise if this would have been two separate albums like Yellow and Green was? Yes. See, um, what uh, what was that double album that we did way back way back in the start of this pod- of this podcast? Was it, oh, The Scars of Man, Bob Panopticon's two-album release. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Well, this album is only, it's only a couple minutes shorter than Yellow and Green, right? I mean, it's not like it's a significant difference in terms of length. Yeah. Make this a double album. I mean, maybe it would have been sequenced a little bit different, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it being as long as it is. When we talk about, in the next section, some of our favorites, I think a couple of my favorites are very long albums i don't have a problem with yeah. it just more i i think to john's point i i really enjoy the music it's the production over this length of time that really hurts the album to me yeah well and it's it's, uh, oh sorry go ahead well i i was gonna agree to chris's point because and he and it's actually where i think maybe putting it as two separate albums would have helped them because it was kind of right around the half an hour mark where I found myself drifting off because the, you know, the, the fuzz production was bothering me so badly. And I kind of just, I stopped actively listening and I just sort of had it on my headphones and I was looking and thinking about other things. And if, if it had been split up into two albums, that would have been a perfect place for me to stop listening, take a break, 
come back into the other side fresh and I might have appreciated those songs a little bit more. But the fact that, I, I mean, like, I again, you can listen to it digitally, you can pause it whenever you want. But if you try to digest it as a piece on its own, having two half an hour mini albums versus one hour long album the the 60 minute runtime is part of is and again to to chris's point the the production that production going over a 60 minute runtime really grates on you i think a lot yeah. more than if they had made the album shorter it might have been easier to deal with yeah i wonder if maybe the media type would help as well because that's one of the things that i've been finding with longer albums uh putting them on vinyl you have that kind of built-in breakup where you can only really listen to 20 25 minutes at a time before you have to go and flip over and make a conscious decision as to whether or not you want to listen to the next side of the album i i i don't know if maybe that would help this year but to the point that um Hera made earlier just about you know trying it in, in in different ways i i only have it digitally but i took like i put it i put it i played it in my car i played it on my uh desktop monitors i played it in my cheap earbud headphones and i played it in my super expensive headphones i played it through a DAC. you know just trying to see if there were different ways to kind of you know what's the way that i'm supposed to listen to this album screwed around with the eq and and there's Chris, just as, really as, nothing as a to guy do. who listens to as a guy who has uh like a lot of the same audio stuff you do did you did did listen because i today again when i was dropping my daughter off was listening in my car and it's not as nice as my grottos or my deck was there any listening environment that made it kind of more easier to listen to because you know we do forget that we're not wearing or have the nice studio speakers that they do inside the studio Honestly, for me, the best listening experience was kind of Vincent's where I just kind of forgot about it for a while. So I like I'll be honest, I'm really good with like the first five songs, probably through Tourniquet. And then my brain kind of shuts off through the next four or five songs. I, it just kind of sits there in the background. And then, like I said, once that second half comes in where the production because the music is softer, it's not as clipped and hot, with the exception of Borderlines, which is just a, a massive rock and tune. It 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 the softer kind of proggy stuff isn't as affected because it's not as loud. So that I got you. really kind of comes through and insinuates itself for me. Can we all agree though, that this is another home run of an album cover though, man, I've got to love yeah. their art. Oh, I won't say, man, I will, I, I will it. never talk shit about, about Baisley's art. I think <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's really cool. And his, his choice of color is always like, it's always yeah. really nice. It's very aesthetically pleasing to me, which I found it to be one of the reasons why I keep coming back to it, just because the cover is really beautiful. But I also, again, it's one of those albums that you listen to from the very beginning, and then you can drift in and out of it until you find something that packs your interest, which is why I got through Emmett writing Radiating Light, I think. That's the 10th track on the album. And then I was like, all right, brain is shutting off now. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, Chris mentioned this briefly uh, a couple minutes ago. The I, while lo a lot of this conversation has been centered in the production, I think if there's a slightly alternate, not like opposite take, but slightly different take for me, I think that the production here, though it sort of still suffers in the same way that Purple does, because there's a lot more chiller, um, quieter stuff on this album. I feel like those sections of the album aren't nearly as effective 
Um, and yeah, it'd be better if it just was cleaned up all, all gum. But there's there's fewer points in this album compared to Purple where I was feeling like put off or or like struggling to push through it. Um, and so, not that they seem to have changed their minds on it, but just by virtue of the music that's in there, it I think it overall sounds better than Purple. Does that does that track? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I have no favorite oh, right. record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if we were to provide Hera a frame of reference and shout out one Baroness album to go back to is like, this is what Baroness is to me. Blue. What would you guys pick for an album? Yellow and Green. I would say Yellow and Green. That is right there. It starts off with Take take My, my Bones and March to the Sea, little things. Oh, bangers. I would say, if, yeah, Yellow and Green is good if you want to hear what newer Baroness sounds like with a cleaner production. Mm-hmm. Um, then Yellow and Green is the one too. The one I, the one I still hold a candle for is is Blue, which does lean a bit heavier in the Mastodon direction, but yep. not so much that it doesn't. You don't hear the the melodies that they'll bring out later. All right. So we'll go the complete circle because I I would pick Red. Red was my fave, my album of the year when uh, Red came out, and it is, it's probably the heaviest. It's probably the most beholden to like kind of post metal and Mastodon and and, and that end. But uh, it, it it definitely is not as as varied, and it's a real kind of close pick between that and Blue for me. But um, I, I I think it's safe to say any of the first three albums will. Uh, maybe Harrow kind of wet your appetite for the band and in, in what I would think of as their prime. So I guess I'll work. I'll start backwards and start with yellow and green. Didn't you do yeah. something similar, Vincent, like with the going through the whole band's discography at one point? Yeah. So I had actually never, I won't say never. Um, my experience with Baroness was what I heard um, a horse called Golgotha when they had that as part of Guitar Hero. And I hated that song. I thought, and I, it was just like, whatever age I was when I heard it, it just, it sparked something in me. And I'm like, this band sucks. And I never want to listen to them again. And so I didn't. And I just assumed that I wouldn't like Baroness if I ever heard them again. And then I saw them when they toured um, with Deaf Heaven and their live show completely blew me away like absolutely knocked me over. And I, from, from there, I think Josh gave me the first and second EPs and those are the only ones that I think you can't get on Spotify, but like I progressed my way through their discography after catching them live and like having a complete change of heart. It's funny you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned the, the live thing because I saw them right after Yellow and Green came out before the uh, before the bus crash. Actually, it was this. There's this small, tiny window where they toured uh, with Decapitated and Meshuga, and they played right in the middle of those two bands. And oh what? And I and I and I went for Meshuga because I. It's Meshuga. Seen them? Yeah, it's Meshuga, right? I'm gonna go see it. And but I was like, I also like Baroness. I. I don't think these two go together, but I like both of these bands. And so I'm going to have a good time, but yeah, Baroness went on uh, after decapitated and, and no one was having it. 
like aside from me, sure. one person, like like maybe there probably would have been a couple fans here and there, but everyone was just like totally checked out until the very end when I think they played Isaac off of Red. Like that was the one that everyone got like, oh okay, this sounds heavier, I like it. But man, that was such a. I actually want to see them again because that live experience, the the crowd was just so not here for that kind of different experience compared to Decapitated and Meshuggah. Sure. Cool. So before we wrap it up and kind of jump into the next section, just uh, we talked about a couple of the tracks individually. Uh, Buke and I are in the can for uh, Borderlines as far as a great, great track. But uh, anything stand out to the rest of the group that we want to point out? So I have two. I have to open it because I was like, I need to look at this. So I have two. Obviously, Front Toward Enemy was a good beginning track for, again, for me, who doesn't have a reference. But I also really enjoyed Emmett, Radiating Light. I think for me, as a track that, you know, before I, you know, my mind went away, um, I really enjoyed that track as a whole. And like, that's the reason why I kept coming back to it because I really wanted to see how that buildup would go. So those two for me are the key Baroness tracks for this album. Um, for myself, I'd say, yeah, Borderlines is pretty great. Um, I really like Seasons. Again, they just push themselves even harder than I think I've ever heard them before. Yeah. And then uh, for the more like weirder psychedelic kind of stuff, I really like I Do Anything. Because that's all that song is, is just John and Gina uh singing together and it is it is damn magical is what it is Their voices combined are one of my favorite parts of the band now. And they they absolutely nailed that chemistry in their live show, too, which is part of what sold me on them. I think for me, my favorite moment on the album was that, that suite of uh, Anchor's Lament into Throw Me an Anchor. That, that's a whole that, that's where i have to go back and kind of hit that whole section because it, it's always i think by tourniquet i start to get tired out and i know that i'm missing something there i i've i i recall parts of the harmonizations on other tracks but if i do anything is is where it's it's the most prominent i, I think i i need to go revisit that entire kind of middle section of the album there and get a get a better sense of it yeah. The interlude tracks on this are really good and Anchor Anchor's Lament is probably my favorite of okay. those little 
things. And it provides a really nice buildup to a really, really catchy song. Looks like we may have to revisit all that. Yeah, we may have to. <laughs> maybe at the end of the year, we'll have to come back and see if this made anybody's list and, and how we've changed our opinion of it uh, between now and then. But uh, I no, think for now, that'll probably do it for Baroness's Golden Grape. Uh, the album is out now. Uh, so if this is something that you're into, go and grab it and shoot us a note to tell us what you think. But in the meantime, instead of doing what we normally do, which is what else we've been listening to during the month, I think some of that stuff may crop up. But we are at the half year point of 2019, and it has been a killer year for music, just some great stuff coming up. And we are right on the cusp. We're not going to quite talk about July releases yet, but July, when we do this next month, I think we may have to just blow the episode out because July is massive for amazing records. But uh, let's talk about first half of the year and stuff that's really grabbed us. Uh, and we'll go reverse. Cause I think um, John, uh, not John, but Vincent, uh, you uh, blah, in contradiction to Buke, who didn't really have a whole lot in June to really kind of think toward. I think you had something huge in June that you would probably want to talk about. I did. I had something in June that I have been looking forward to for quite some time, as I always do. And it is a brand fucking new Yellow Eyes album, which is currently <laughs> sitting as my favorite thing that I have listened to all year. Nice. Very not likely to budge from that spot either, I think. Wow. Okay. I mean, it, it, is, it is a goddamn triumph. It is easily handily some of the best black metal i've ever heard in my life let alone in recent memory there is so much going on all the time and i have so much respect and awe for the way that will and sam construct these like bizarre shifting melodies and in a way that just doesn't feel it feels both alienating and familiar at the same time, and it creates this really unbelievable dynamic in what they do. And it's it's gotten better with everything they've put out, and it's at its absolute finest on rare field ceiling. So I uh, I know you and I had a conversation about this earlier. Uh, I, th I think it might have been like on the the off cut of the podcast last month. I wasn't really fearing feeling the album that much at the time. I had talked about my favorite album to date of theirs was Sick with Bloom. So I I did the homework. I went back, uh, and I am definitely feeling it a lot more now. It, yeah. it's funny the first couple times. Yeah, I, I still do not like, I'm not a huge fan of Immersion Trench Reverie. Uh, it, there's just something that is too cold and harsh, especially their vocals are so highly pitched that it, I think it just hits a frequency that just doesn't resonate with me. And the first time I heard We Are Feel Ceiling, I thought it was slightly similar. And I, I don't know where that came from, because when I go back and listen now, uh, it, it's a different beast entirely. And I think the real trick to the album is exactly what you said, their ability to almost hide melody in that kind of cacophonous roar is, is something else. And, and when it kind of peaks out and, and dives back in, your ears have a tendency to kind of follow it and track it. And then you just get into these spirals of sound that are, that are phenomenal. Uh, it, it is a, it, it is a hell of an album. Everybody has like one of my other favorite parts about it is is like this is the album I think more than any of the other ones of theirs that he's been on that Mike Reykjavik's just went absolutely nuts with it with his drumming. There's he's trying so many different things now 
on their on their songs and it just it works so well and it injects this like this <laughs> like all of this new stuff into into their already constantly changing repertoire and it's just it's great like there's one song on there where he alternates between like double kick drumming and then going into disco beats <laughs> and then you get the you get the title track where you have like the cheesy ass like band yells the name of the song during the song and then he kicks it off with like the topa topa shit it's just, it's so good <laughs> It just it feels so like alive as an album. Like there's so much like energy to it. Anyone else hear the album yet, or uh, is it is this new for other people? Not in my wheelhouse. So yeah. out of respect to my friends, I will not comment on something that uh, I don't uh, feel like I could say. I, I I need some more time with it. Uh, I think I listened through once, but there's just yeah. a lot of good music, and I just haven't had the chance to really sink into it yet. Yeah, there yeah. really is, man. There's a ton of good music out right now. It's hard. Vincent, anything else hitting you uh, so far this year you want to talk about? Um, that was that was my big one. I think I'm trying to stick to a few core albums. So I think the other one that I'm really I'm really keep coming back to is uh at least from the first half of the year is still still that waste of space orchestra album that i talked about previously on this which again is it's one of those albums that i i shouldn't like because it's like an hour and like 11 minutes or something like that it's a tremendously long album but it's just got this like this really interesting like backstory to it that just keeps you sucked in and i still really love it a lot cool all right, Buke, what's up with you, sir? <laughs> Give us the pitch. Yeah, you know, I am late to joining the podcast uh, in terms of uh, you guys have a couple episodes under your belt. Like I said before, I have the writing skills of a rock, so you don't get to hear my input on the writing side. So I got a couple bangers here for the year so far. I wanted to get out. I apologize if they've been mentioned before, but I have to say them. And I use my hands a lot for a fucking podcast. <laughs> I really need to stop. Um, where do I start? Uh, let's start with uh, a real fun one. Uh, Glory Hammer, Legends from Beyond the Galactic Terror Vortex. Uh, we raved about it last time when uh, really fun power metal. Uh, from North of the Border, uh, Smolder and their album Times of Obscene Evil and Wild Daring. This is like, uh, if you take like a chemist, a lot of that traditional metal sound and you've put it with a female singer, really cheesy stuff that I just eat up. Really? Smolder. Yeah. Smolder. Yeah. Smolder. S M O U L D E R. Oh, Smolder. Okay. Yeah. yeah Smolder. Um, maybe my album of the year so far is the swallow the sun release when a shadow is forced into the light. I think these guys just keep getting better and better and better and better. They, oh, I don't just uh, that album is great. That album is it is great. amazing. It is absolutely just, amazing. I was just gonna say, I remember, I remember you and I having a discussion about that way back in January. I think these, when it came out, the first yeah, time. these these guys just keep hitting home runs. Um, I don't know how you can. I mentioned it earlier. I don't know how you can live up to a three. Uh, I mentioned. 
this maybe being a two release, you know, two disc album. You know, they released a three disc album a couple years ago. How do you follow that up? Well, they did, and it's really good. Um, maybe my album of the year, if not Swallow the Sun, is the new sewing album, Lotus. This is a absolute banger of an album. If you don't know Martin Lopez of uh, Opeth fame, this is his band. A uh, little softer stuff. It kind of has a sound of like a um, uh, drawing a blank on the band that just came to mind, but a really progressive sound like you'd find with Opeth if it's just their clean stuff. I think it hits that that tool itch a little bit. They they, they have a great sense of kind of locking rhythm and syncopation that I I think comes from definitely Lopez's drumming with 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 Opeth, but they have a real kind of knack for that. Yep. Uh, what I picked up from you guys here, and I thank you guys when I joined our group chat. The and I'm a butcher of names here. New New Monrion, New Marion, their adorable Numenorian. See, I told you I will butcher it. <laughs> this is how I know you haven't read Lord you can't, of the Rings. You can't do worse than Queen of B. This album, <laughs> this this Adore album, I picked it up from you guys, and it was my first time dipping my toe into them. Oh man, this album is great. Great. Uh for my death metal guys, two quick bangers here. Candle mass. Sorry, not that's not death metal. Uh, sorry, scratch that. Uh Asu Marium. See, there I go. And their album, Living Tomb. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the, the 20 bucks spin one. That album yeah. rules. Yep. Deserted Fear, Drowned by Humanity. Yes. Uh, no one talks about Deserted Fear, and they need to, man, because they're holding that kind of Swedish death metal. They, uh, they are, my friend. Else. And they're right. doing it well. Adding to that list. <laughs> uh, the self-titled by Traveler. I have not heard a lot of talk from yeah. the website here with you guys about this album, but this album is such a fun take like eighties early metal sound. And that's traveler for you yep. guys. And yeah, real rough, early kind of speed yep. metal type of deal. That's it. I quickly right. mentioned it. Candlemas, the door to doom. Candlemas is back and in a good way with that album. And <laughs> I'll leave so. it on a little, Sorry. Messiah Markelin's back doing vocals with them on that, isn't He's, he? He certainly is. No, is it? No, it's not Messiah. I it's, thought he was. Uh, no, it's uh, who is it? Is it Matt Levin who's doing it now? It's not Messiah. I, I know stuff as we go through. Yeah, because I thought it was myself. I thought I'd heard he. I thought I heard that they brought Messiah Markelin back for this one. Oh, look at their Wikipedia trying to follow. We'll get, like, we'll get back to it. <laughs> it is a banger of an album, though, w without a doubt. I know Dan Kaplan, who's not on this month, he, he's been talking that album. Up yeah, the Candlemas album is a banger. And um, since you mentioned Dan, and Dan will probably be listening to this at some point, Dan, thank you for driving down last week and hanging out, my my friend. You're really good in Smash Brothers. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I thought, hey, why don't you come down? You ever invite somebody over to play video games or something, and you find out that you think you're really good at video games, so the friend you invited over beats your ass? Yep. That was my experience with Dan last week in Smash Brothers. He has like all the he has like these pocket characters that he's really good at. And I'll leave you with a little black metal 1914, the blind leading the blind. Really cool World War One inspired black metal. All right, I'll definitely album. check that out. And it's uh, Johan Langvist. Johan Langvist. I just, yeah, I was just going to say. Was, was he the singer on the first album? Is that is that what I'm thinking? 
because hmm. he was with the band before. I, there, Metal Archives Wicked, just says 2018. Yeah, he, was the, he, he was the vocalist for uh, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus. That's right. That That's what it is. Oh, the story Taylor might be my Mask. favorite Candle Mass album, kind of bar none. So now over I'm, Nightfall, I'm first one. Yeah, yeah. I like Nightfall, but uh, I don't know, man. Love me some epic. <laughs> I, I just love to <laughs> say Harry Potter witchcraft when I say that. It one. is it is one of the best album titles, I think, because it really leans into the cheese. Hey, if you want to, if you want to see uh, Candlemas and Cheese, like I showed it to Dan last week, watch Candlemas's video for Bewitched. That's some cheese, right? Is that there. the one where Messiahs and them are in the robes and they're like stomping around? Yes, and he busts out is, of the casket. Yep, yeah. absolute. And he's absolute awkwardly perfection. pointing at band members in the streets. Yeah. Yep, a cinematic masterpiece. Yes. Okay, that's it. I appreciate the time. Those are some bangers there. Oh, one more Wormwitch Heaven That Dwells Within. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you on a few of those. It's on my list. The Wormwitch is on my list. (laughs) Like everything else. (laughs) All right, John, you're up. All right. Um, we did an entire podcast about Empath by Devin Townsend, so we won't dwell on that too much, but that would probably be a pick for me. Um, uh, Buke mentioned Adore by Numenorian. That one, I, that one really surprised me because their previous album was firmly in the Deaf Heaven shoegaze uh, black metal stuff that had, and it was well done, but it was so firmly planted in that genre that when they added like a bit of like gojira rhythm funkiness to the proceedings i was actually genuinely surprised i was like oh this is a they are making some clear strides and so that one in addition to being very good was also very surprising because i didn't know if they had it in them to like stretch and do something that was that other people weren't doing so that was um that was a big pick for me um I wrote a review earlier this year for the Austerity Programs, Bible Songs 1. Uh, it's a real, let's see, let me check the numbers here, 22 minutes. Uh, it's real short, but uh, <laughs> the way that it, it sounds, it's it's noise rock um, in the sense, or it's noisy, it's kind of like Ken mode, but it's also kind of industrially um and they really crank the BPMs at some points with that drum machine. And then if you imagined Aaron Weiss from Me Without You singing angry Bible parables over top of it, it is transfixing. And uh, it's it's real good shit. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things is anytime that someone can like, because of course metal's full of like inverted biblical imagery. And anytime someone can be like, why do we have to invert biblical imagery when there's so much violence that just happens in there? We can just do that. We don't have to like change it to anything else. And so austerity program really picks up on that. And is like, it's some disturbing shit and it's real good. The, let's see what else we got. Uh, I think the other one I want to mention is uh, because we're, this is the June, uh, the June album of the month stuff. Uh, my pick for what was going to be the June pick of the month is probably the cages, uh, seven inch by red bait. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is, that is some good crusty hardcore. And, uh, 
yeah, they also did a compilation. They also did a cover of Nazi Punk's "Fuck Off" for uh, their riffs for Reproductive Justice compilation. But I think that technically came out in July, so that doesn't meet the first half. But the Cage is seven inches, so damn good. Uh, you want to talk about a band making strides in between releases? The songwriting I ability. I didn't. I didn't not like Red Tape for sure. I thought that that was a great, great EP. But it's they've progressed leagues in like such a short amount of time with the way they write their their songs. Like if you, I would have never expected something like Bread for the Knife from them after hearing that demo. But that is honest to God, maybe one of my favorites individual songs I've heard this year. Yeah, I I think that Bread for Knife Bread for the Knife seems to be the the standout for that one, and everyone just sort of turning their heads, going like, "What the hell." Like that is they went full they went full Svalbard and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would be my that would be my last pick for first half of 2019. All right, Hera, you're up. Okay, so some of them have been mentioned, so I'm gonna make it kind of quick, kind of quick. So one, the first one that I probably haven't stopped shutting up about since it came out has been Evergrace the Atlantic. I think it is a very good album. And I still and it's still in rotation uh, since January, so it's July now. So it's it's been going. Uh, another one I wanted to mention was Der Rotten Milan's Moritat, which I think is a very good black metal album. I think everyone should go listen to that. Who's another that by? Der Rotten Milan is a German band. The name oh. of the album is Moritat, oh. which is murder ballad in German. Okay. Uh, another album I wanted to mention was Within Temptations Resist. I was lucky enough to, this, to listen to them in concert, and my 17-year-old self was very happy to meet Sharon Denadel. So that was fun. <laughs> I was very happy. Fine. It, it was like, yes, this finally came true. 17-year-old me would have been, be- would have been very proud. Um, another one I wanted to mention was Murat's Shaheli, which I think is a standout album. Then again, we had Ramstein that same month. For May, for me, it has been very overplayed since May, and I and I still listen to it pretty much every day. Lopen Subtle was also very good. Uh, might be in the top this year, but we will see. Ramstein's album came out too. Uh, that album is a banger. It's great. I have nothing else to say. It's the best thing since Riza Riza. Uh, two albums I wanted to mention. I don't. I haven't seen much talk about either, at least for us. One of them is Slight Tract, which is their third album. Their self-titled is very good if you're looking for some like post-metal, black metal thing. The reason I was tuned into it was because Tamas Katai of Catafog was played on the album, and that's why I like it. Anything that gets me to listen, I will do so. And the last one, I think, would have been a good June pick. I think this album came out in June was Kevin's Final Transmission. Mm. It's very, I like it. I came into it late. I listened to it when I had some time towards the end of June. And I find it to be one of the most cathartic yet saddest things I've ever heard in my life. And I've listened to a lot of sad shit, guys. Uh, that, that, first, that first track I could barely oh. listen to. It is so hard to listen to, but for like the best reasons. Like it is. Yeah. It is devastating to listen when, to that vo- voice memo. It's a voice yeah. memo. When I listened to that, it like it hit me somewhere where I was like, "This is if this is a way that you could record someone, the last thing of someone 
what a way to fuck you up. What yeah, album is this that you're talking about? Caven's Final Transmission. Oh, I I completely spaced on the name that you had said. It's Caven. That explains a lot. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think I think Adam. I think when they were like in looking through some of the press for it, I think Adam McGrath was like, "Yeah, it was good to do this. I don't necessarily know if I like listening to these songs because it's really hard." And yeah. I 100% understand that yeah. that's something that you need to do and also might be too painful to like really feel good about. <laughs> yeah. There's it's an album it's one of those albums where I was awake at 3 a.m. because that's what you do. And I sat, listened through it a couple of times and I had to put it down and not and not think about it because it just hits you and you're like this is if this is the way you can make a tribute to someone, this is this is a way to do it. Yeah, it's it's a hard listen, but for a good reason. And I do recommend it if you do decide to do to listen to that album. I think maybe what we will do is when this is up and we post this episode on nine circles, maybe we'll link to all of the picks and kind of make a uh, first half of the year recommendations post out of it. So for yeah. those listening, if you, if you, if you, if, if you're scribbling frantically, like I've been for the last 15 minutes, uh, we'll link it all up to you on the uh, show notes that you can go and you can find. Hey, all this stuff. Chris, since people may be spending summer at the lake or at the beach, I know you always get your hand in reading and you're always going through books. Are there, I don't read books cause I'm an idiot. I can only <laughs> recommend video games and I got Tons. I could go on for days on that. Are there any good books out there in case people maybe want to put on an album and a book that they could listen to and read? Uh, you Sorry to put you on the spot, but I was just curious if there's anything good out there. You yes, <laughs> on the spot. So I will do this. I will <sighs> go through my uh, my music recommendations as I frantically look around my bookshelves <laughs> to give you a recommendation for a good book read. But very quickly, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to point out that the best thing about going last when we do these roundtables is that most of you guys speak to the stuff that I would have spoke to. So Buke already talked about uh, uh, Numenorian, which is fantastic, Worm Witch, um, and uh, Glory Hammer, all of which are on. I, I did a quick post for kind of my mid-year faves. So I'm going to talk about a few more beyond the ones that you guys already mentioned. Uh, John talked about Empath, which is a huge one for me. Obviously, the pick of the month last month was Dark Throne, which is through a technicality has to be my number one album of the year. But if it wasn't, I'm going to come up uh, with just three other albums that I, I really have been enjoying. And they're... In, in, in some ways not like me, in some ways they are. Um, the first one is um, Life Metal by Sun. And I got to preface that with, I don't like any other Sun album. I've tried. It's not stuff that I'm really into. It's not a genre that really kind of appeals to me. Uh, but something about Life Metal, uh, and I know it's one of their weaker reviewed uh, records, but maybe because it appeals to the parts, it appeals to the things that I like as opposed to what people generally think of sun for but it is one of those just i can put it on and get lost uh in the folds of those kind of mammoth leviathan riffs and it's, it's something that i i really have been drawn to um speaking of kind of black metal and black metal that is we had a conversation in our our, our chat room about a lot of us our favorite kind of black metal is black metal that can best be described as ah uh, it's kind of black metal with some other stuff <laughs> 
Uh, and that I think kind of nails uh, a lot of what we've been talking about to a T one that doesn't get a lot of call out, but they're a great band um, is called, I'm going to screw this up. Um, Utsiaru. Maybe that's wrong, but they have a new album out called madness and creation. Um, and I even, when I wrote about it, I said, it's a, uh, it's the third black metalish album <laughs> uh, that uh, I've really been listening to a lot this year. Um, a lot like Numenorian in that it, 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 it kind of runs with some very modern metal elements, even as it kind of transitions that with more traditional kind of blast beat tremolo picking stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun, madness and, and creation. And then finally, the my favorite album of the year right now that's not Dark Throne um, and it's not really a whole lot of metal, although they're definitely a heavy band, is a band called Hawkeyes. Uh, so they've done a lot of splits. Uh, they've done, they have a great split with, with Shooting Guns, if you're familiar with, with the band Shooting Guns. They're Fuck a- yeah, Shooting Guns. Yeah, I knew John would like that. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys are kind of like a stoner, doom, groove band. Um, but on their new album, Last Light of Future Failure, uh, they go a different route entirely. They kind of hit psychedelic doom rock, uh, very long, very extended. Uh, there is the, the there's only four songs, but the last song is an almost a twenty minute song called "Full of Secrets," that does what the best of the most recent Sleep album did, which is to just paint these huge slabs with these amazing beautiful moments in it whether it's an extended solo piece or some kind of groovy keyboards or, or just stomping fuzz uh it, it's just one of the most enjoyable albums of the year it paints a lot of moods it, it it you you have your stoner kind of thumpy doom rock you have lighter kind of groovy fare you have your your, your psychedelic kind of paint dabs here and there but it's a fantastic album and a gorgeous gorgeous cover to boot which is always when i look at something that's got a nice cover my brain's immediately drawn to to kind of be a little bit more predisposed toward it but this one the music inside delivers all all the goods and with that to answer buke's question the only thing that i can talk through right now is i'm getting ready to go on vacation next week uh to go away to the beach and just have my books and my music and the book that i have packed to go away with me. So it'll be my first kind of summer read is a book called the cartel by Don Winslow. So Don Winslow is a uh, really good uh, crime writer. Uh, He wrote um, last thing I I could think of that he wrote that people may know is a book called the savages, which um, Oliver Stone made into a film. Uh, The cartel is very much about drug cartels and uh, the, the, the cops and FBI and, 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 armed forces who go after those guys it's supposedly got a lot of cat and mouse to it i don't know i haven't read it but i've heard a lot of great things about it so that's what i'm bringing with me for my beach read (laughs) that's awesome chris um are you uh are you planning on picking up the murder on the rock point limited graphic novel or do you already have it that was really hard to hear but i think i heard the word rockport so i'm assuming you're asking about limited yeah yeah sorry Without a doubt, I will be uh, bringing that. That that will probably be the plane read, since I'm assuming I can read it on the plane and be done by then. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I will always break out. I love comic books, um, and I haven't been doing a lot of comic stuff lately. I did kind of finally wrap up The Walking Dead now that The Walking Dead is officially over as a comic book. Uh, and I as I was doing that, I realized, oh, hey, one of my favorite things in the world, The uh, Adventure Zone, has a new uh, graphic novel coming out, Murder on the Rockport Limited, and I will definitely be reading that as well. 
the um it, i want to just uh second the sun uh life metal album recommendation that one was uh that was a big one for me i do have one complaint though um as good as an album as it is they called it life metal and i can't with that name that is life metal is what christian death metal bands used to call themselves because they didn't want to use the term death metal like when and this is before there were bands that people actually liked so like all of the band like all the really early death metal bands that were christian that everyone sort of made fun of and like oh this is terrible this can't like back when that was a thing people cared about they called themselves life metal and i was like <laughs> and, I, and and maybe sun didn't know that maybe as a faux pas on their part but like that's the only part of an otherwise like actually really good album. I was like, ah, oh, you ju- you called it that. You you can't call it that. It's bad. <laughs> uh, not having that connection to it, I, I'm not nearly as bothered by the name. I do find it a bit of an odd name, um, especially since the majority of it is instrumental. Uh, but uh, the first track, Between Sleep and Your Breaths, does have um, some poetry kind of built in into it that is quite lovely and it, it is just a it i i i think maybe the point that they made with a rather too on the nose title is that it, it does at least for me it tends to be somewhat life affirming which is weird that something so heavy and dark and kind of cutting and monolithic in its in its structure will do that but i i do get that sense of it although a lot of that could be contributed to just how pretty and light and airy the cover art is again I'm, I'm i'm a sucker for cover art so i'll i'll make my own conclusions purely based on the visual aesthetic of it i mostly just made that point because i know that there's at least one or two other like no one else did but i know i know one person besides <laughs> myself who pointed that out and i was like yes i need this this needs to be represented that like <laughs> actually there's this other thing other term for or that, that or other use of that term people might not be so psyched about all right, so for whoever that is out there, uh, John has championed your uh, cause, and he has advocated for your ar- argument. So thank you very much. And please, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Josh from Slaves BC. Like, uh, I'll just, I'll just, uh, yeah, we could, the other yeah, we Josh. Could, we can say it. Yeah, I can say it. It's fine. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So, uh, any kind of last things for the year so far? Things that you guys are looking forward to for the second half of the year. Check back with me when October's over because I'm in black metal hell, black metal hell right now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I Moore's new album. Yeah, yeah. There, Karen, um, them. Karen is happening in August, and none of you are ready for it. I know Buke and I are stoked for the new Opeth, and we'll have that discussion about old Opeth versus new Opeth. But uh, I'm going to point out two quick things. One band I will not talk about because I believe we will be talking about them on next month's podcast. Uh, but uh, I love that album and have a lot to say about it. The other one, um, it's it's making some huge waves. It only came out a couple of weeks ago. And even though it's not a first half of the year I would beg everybody to give a listen to, um, if you have not heard it, the album by um, an isolated mind called I'm Losing Myself. Holy I was <laughs> I was actually going to jump in because that was an album that I forgot that I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, so, and it actually, it has been out in its earliest form since March of this year. 
Really? Oh, well, then yeah. we have to uh, was, call that out. <laughs> it was released digitally in March. I think there was a CD release that happened a few weeks ago, and there's a vinyl version of it that I believe is still in process and will probably get here in, like, October. And I know that because I'm going to buy that album because it is truly ridiculously stupid good. Yeah, it's, it's like getting it's like getting your heart ripped out of your chest like over and over and over again. It might okay. be right now. My I didn't put it on because I I wasn't aware that it was already released earlier in in the year. But uh, I, I mean, this truly might be the best album I've heard this year. It is phenomenal. It's it's up there for sure for me yeah. too. Oh yeah, came out um, March. Yep, March sixteenth. Okay, yeah, I have to make that and add that to the list. Well, it's on. It's been on the list, but I have to listen. If you, I have to listen to it. If you like your stuff weird, there hasn't oh. been a whole lot that's weirder than this this year. Oh, Rain and Waters is weird. I can do that. Yeah, no, I know how I know how you feel about Vedbu and Zende. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, it's like weird dissonant black metal meets like Alcest kind of pretty shoegaze. And also there's clarinet and like a full on like half an hour long ambient suite in there. All right. It's if just, is, it's so delicious. Like, if it's a lot like Seer Bliss, I'm in it. Can I I'm just mention it. the Vanum Ageless Fire album? I totally forgot that also. Oh, you can. That is a fantastic album. Yeah. I think we may have we may have reviewed it earlier in the year. I think I reviewed it earlier in the year. I know. I want to say you did your last one, which was also really really good. Oh, so, think, so much good stuff. I think the new for, mono is fantastic. Yeah. We didn't talk about the mono. new immortal bird is fantastic. Yes. Still trying, bird is still trying to set up an I interview have, with Ray, but it's a great I have album. It on my phone is the, the thing I want to bring up, which is immortal bird. That, that, that album is. <laughs> Is, uh, is, yeah, is I that will... a July release or was that a June? That's uh, I think July. it was beginning of July. Okay, because I I but... know there's a re- I was like I know there's a reason I didn't put it on my. Uh, it's because it's July. Yeah, <laughs> I will I will ride for the hometown heroes any day of the week. Shy City. <laughs> uh, clouds collide. Uh, that's coming out second half, right? Yes. Yes. Comes out it's Friday. coming out next week. Yeah. Yeah. So when we are listening to this, the twenty-sixth, it'll be out. Yeah. I'm extremely ready for other Chris to destroy me with his bare hands. It's going to be so good. <laughs> I haven't pre-ordered trying. a lot of albums like Ear Unheard, but the the instant that I saw he announced the pre-order for that album, I bought the vinyl because there's no way it's not going to be good. Uh, you are correct. It, it is. There is no way. <laughs> Having lived with it for months now, it is. Uh, it is phenomenal. It is. Phenomenal. It is. Yeah. Uh, new false coming out soon. Uh, just a couple things. No. Uh, Buke, if this Dropped is not already. on your radar or you don't already have the promo, the new Crypt Sermon is unbelievable. Yeah, I got it, my friend. It's uh, good. So it's good. good. So, so good. So, so good. Uh, and plenty more. But we will talk about more of that uh, in next month's episode. That'll probably <laughs> do it for us here. We've kind of hit that sweet spot in terms of time. So real quick, a uh, little bit of housekeeping. The website, I believe, if my brain is still working, is ninecircles.co. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at underscore nine circles. We have a Facebook page. I don't know that anybody goes to it, but it's uh, I think it's uh, at nine circles blog. And if you want to email us, you can email us too at ninecirclesblog at gmail.com. 
That being said, I think we're done. Most of us have survived, although I, thank God, this is not a visual medium. I am drenched in sweat despite having an air conditioner. Hey. <laughs> How's everybody else feeling so far? I'm, I'm with you. I'm glistening. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wishing I could still cut my hair. But that's how I'm feeling right now. I have still encouraging you to do it. But I'm thinking of cutting it all off after this. It's just gross. Chris, it is the most freeing experience you will ever have in your life. <laughs> I went from having shoulder length hair to shaving it off and keeping it short and then eventually just shaving my head. And boy, I got to tell you, it's there's no, there's no feeling like it. Uh, I am envious, right? I am very envious right, right, right now. All right, guys. Thank you all very much. This was the Nine Circles audio thing. We will see you next month. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. We're out. Thank you. Hey. I am like glowing with sweat. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, that.